0: So today, Poland became the 21st country to lower interest rates thus far in 2015. The Polish Central Bank lowered uh, its interest rate to a new record low, 1.5%. It was a 50 basis point cut from 2%. You know, it makes me think of, you know, maybe a a joke how many uh, Polish central bankers does it take? Uh, to reduce interest rates? I don't know the answer to that uh, that question. Uh, but uh, however many there were on the, the, uh, the Central Bank's committee, they effectively lowered rates to 1.5%. Now, the interesting thing about the rate cut is it comes against the backdrop of a very strong economy. Uh, the Polish economy is the strongest it's been in three years. In fact, I think GDP growth uh, for the most recent uh, year trailing is 3.1%. So the Polish economy is growing faster than the U.S. economy. The U.S. economy hasn't grown at 3% uh, in a long time. The The fastest rate of growth in the Obama administration was 2.5% in 2010. So the Polish economy is currently growing faster than the U.S. economy, yet the Polish central bank decided to lower interest rates to 1.5%. Um, now, why did they do that? Well, it's all because inflation is too low. And I, I'm i reading an article from Bloomberg, uh, which typically writes these type of articles, and one section, the title of the article, in case anybody wants to find it, is Poland's, Poland's easing may be over after unexpected half-point cut. And there's a section entitled Policy Conundrum. Right? This is supposedly the conundrum. And I'll read a little bit from you. It says the central bank has missed its 2.5% inflation target for more than two years, meaning over the last two years, inflation has been under 2.5%. Now, what do you mean they missed their target? I mean, their target isn't to have it exactly at 2.5%, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just 2.5% is the ceiling, right? There's actually a range that the Polish Central Bank basically has, I guess, as ideal, and it's inflation between one5 and 2.5%. And so simply being below 2.5% doesn't mean they've missed their target because they don't need to hit 2.5%. That's supposedly the ceiling, Right. Uh, So let me finish it. it, it, They missed their two and a half percent target for more than two years and has even undershot the lower end of its tolerance range, set at one and a half percent for 24 months. So one and a half percent is supposedly the lower end of the band that they're aiming for. right? I guess they think the sweet spot of inflation is about two percent. Right. And so they're willing to allow it to go as low as one and a half or as high as two and a half. And the article says that in many cases, they've actually been below one and a half percent for the past two years. And then it says price growth dropped below zero in July. Oh, my God. They actually had a month where prices were lower than they were a year prior. Obviously not a lot lower, but a little lower. It says here, st- starting the country's longest stretch of deflation since the statistics office started publishing data Back in the 1980s, right? And although, um, I mean, this is not a long run. I mean, they talk about they dropped below zero in July. What is that? One month? So they they had that's that that's their record. That that's their longest string of deflation. They had a month, right? Or or maybe it counts as its an entire year, right? July to July, right? Where prices were down. Uh, but then it says here, Poland's economy expanded 3.1 percent from a year earlier in the fourth quarter. Well, that's the slowest pace in 2014. So 3.1% for the fourth quarter was actually slower than it spent all year. So it's been stronger than that, right? It also capped the fastest full-year expansion in three years as deflation helped increase disposable incomes and consumer confidence. Duh! I mean, that's the point. Deflation, falling prices, helps increase disposable income, which is what it does. Right when prices come down, consumers can buy more. Because, you know, people don't have an unlimited amount of money. You know, unlike central bankers, people don't have printing presses in their basements, right? They just can't go print money. Their c- consumption, right? Their purchases is limited by their incomes or their savings. But as prices come down for the things that they want to buy, Now they can afford to buy more things. Maybe as prices come down, some things that were unaffordable that you were just going without, now you can buy something that but for the price decline, you wouldn't have been able to buy. And if the prices are going down for the things that you are buying, well, now you have money left over to buy those things plus some other stuff that you couldn't have bought had the price not gone down because you would spent too much money on buying certain things. Right. Just like people are saying that lower gas prices is going to be good for the consumer because it frees up income to buy other things. Well, that's the same thing that happens when any price goes down. And this Bloomberg art, the guy wrote this article, is acknowledging that fact that falling prices are helping Polish consumers and therefore helping the Polish economy. And it works in reverse. When prices go up, that undermines consumers because now they can't afford to buy as much stuff. Prices have gone up. They have to buy fewer things. They have to cut back. Maybe prices go up and certain things, they decide they they have to go without them because now they can't afford it, especially if they have to pay more money for things that they need, like food or energy or electricity. And so you have to give up some of your discretionary items. But if the things that you need become cheaper, that frees up purchasing power to buy the things that you want. And that's, you know, a rising standard of living. So the article points out that the Polish economy is being helped by falling prices. Well, if that's the case, why is the central bank panicking, slashing interest rates to one and a half percent to try to create more inflation when it's the absence of inflation that is the reason the Polish economy is so strong? Here, Here's the final paragraph in this section. Policy makers were thus confronted with a conundrum. Hmm, a conundrum. Pray tell. What, what is that conundrum? Right? Belka told reporters on February 4th, right, I guess this is a, a Polish official, while falling prices help boost consumption, right? They do, right? The opposite of what they're telling us. They're, they're saying if prices are falling, people will stop consuming, That's nonsense, right? The Polish are acknowledging that falling prices are helping boost consumption because they can see that. Consumers are buying more as prices are going down. That's Econ 101, supply and demand. But here's this quote from Belka, right? This guy, Um, persistent deflation may be detrimental, causing a textbook reaction to deflation. So in other words, he's concerned because even though deflation is helping the economy now, if the if the inflation persists, it's somehow going to hurt the economy. Why? Well, because that's what's written in the textbooks. Well, 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 you know what? That means you got to throw out those textbooks, those Keynesian textbooks that say that falling prices are bad because they're not here. The governor stressed that Poland had never experienced deflation in its 25 years as a free market economy and the potential negative consequences can't be ruled out. Well, how do they know there are any negative consequences? They've never experienced it. And in fact, they've got, according to this article, they've got some mild deflation now, yet they have one of the strongest economies in Europe. So where is the evidence that this lack of inflation or deflation is undermining the economy in Poland? In fact, all the evidence suggests that it's helping. In fact, uh, the central bank is acknowledging that lower prices are helping the consumer. They're just afraid that eventually they'll hurt the consumer because that's what the textbooks say. Well, these textbooks are wrong, right? I mean, if falling prices are helping the consumer, how is it suddenly going to start to hurt? At what point do lower prices begin to hurt the consumer? There is no point where they ever hurt, right? This this idea is that, well, if consumers think prices are going to go down, they'll stop buying well they're going down now and it's not stopping consumers from buying in fact they're buying more right the guy says that falling prices is helping consumer confidence well when is falling prices going to hurt consumer confidence i mean when is it too much of a good thing and the answer is never right if a small drop in consumer prices helps consumption then a bigger drop will help it even more the more prices drop the bigger the boost Right. If prices get cut in half, I could buy twice as much stuff. Right. I mean, so the bigger the drop, the better. There is no magical point where a good thing becomes a bad thing. Only in some ridiculous Keynesian textbook. So policymakers are observing uh, that there's a good, strong economy and deflation right, or, or stable prices, falling prices. And it's and it's working beautifully. But they don't care about what they're experiencing. They just are looking at these textbooks and thinking, well, we know things are good. But according to this textbook, things are going to get bad. So we better do something about it because, you know, we, we got to believe what's written in these books. And they might as well be relying on a comic book, uh, you know, because this stuff is all fiction. Right. It, it reminds me of I don't know, that um, the Beverly Hillbillies. I remember, you know, I had, how many of you are old enough to have seen the Beverly Hillbillies, but I remember Jethro Bodine, uh, who was played by, you know, Max Baer Jr., who was the son of the uh, the uh, heavyweight boxer, uh, who was very negatively portrayed uh, in uh, that, that movie Cinderella Man. But in any event, I remember there was a scene where Jethro wanted to uh, go to the moon and he had, he had basically, uh, you know, put some rocket on his back and he wanted to, He wanted to fly to the moon and the reason he wanted to go to the moon was because he wanted to meet all the moon maidens. And I think, I don't know, Jed Clampett or somebody, well, how do you know there are moon maidens? And he says, well, I read it in this comic book that there are, you know, women on the moon and they're you know, they're really hot and I want to go up there and I want to, I want to be with these moon maidens. And he said, well, would they put it in a comic book if it wasn't true? And, you know, I guess you could say the same thing about these Keynesian textbooks. I mean, you know, they're just like comic books and, you know, def- deflation being bad, falling prices being bad is, is you know, is as real as, as Jethro Boudin's, you know, Moon Maidens. It's, it's, it's pure fantasy. You know, and the fact that every central bank around the world, including Poland, right, all these central banks are all unanimous in their belief that falling prices hurts consumers. Why? I don't know. I mean, we can't actually observe it but we just know what's going to happen. All right. And it's all based on the depression, right? Oh, we had a depression and we had falling prices. Ergo, falling prices must have caused the depression, right? Which is not true. That is false logic. But it seems if you're going to get a job today in any central bank, anywhere around the world, you have to flunk a course in basic economics. You have to flunk a course in introductory logic. And you have to have no common sense. So if you meet all three of those criteria, then you can get a job at a central bank. Now, maybe you need to have a college degree, too, in economics, or maybe you have to have a Ph.D., but you can't know anything about anything, uh, and then you can work at a central bank because you have to be a complete fool to believe this, you know? I mean, maybe even more foolish than Jethro thinking there are maidens on the moon because he only went to the sixth grade, Right. And 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 so these guys, you know, these guys went through college, they went through their PhDs, and they basically believe the equivalent of, uh, of of hot women on, on on the moon. Now, here's the the thing that's interesting because you have these central banks that all believe that we need more inflation. So, according to this Polish central bank, right, they want to keep inflation in this uh, Keynesian sweet spot of one and a half to two and a half percent. So, they just want money to lose you know, about 2% of its value every year. They want the cost of living to go up by about 2% per year. And supposedly this is better than the cost of living uh, staying uh, the same or, or going or going down, right? It's basically a, you know, a reduction in your quality of living when your cost of living goes up. But be that as it may, they think that we need inflation between one and a half and two and a half percent. And because it's below one and a half percent, they need to really stimulate with the lowest interest rates they've ever had, right? Well, what happens if they succeed in increasing the rate of interest? But, I mean, the rate of inflation, but it goes above two and a half. What happens if it goes to three or three and a half? Well, now they're going to have to jack interest rates way up, right? Maybe they'll have to go to five or six percent. Who knows what they're going to have to do. But if they're worried when inflation is below one and a half percent, they have to be equally worried when inflation rises above two and a half percent, you see, it's very difficult to be so precise and fine tune it to such a, a small degree. I think I've mentioned this before, but I think it's one of the only uh, analogies or things I think I got out of my Berkeley education. But I remember in an uh, in econ class, a professor uh, described or used the analogy of a man in a shower to talk about the lag effect. You know, central bankers are trying to target something, let's say like inflation, and they use money supply or interest rates and they tend to overshoot Um, because and and the analogy is a man in a shower. We've all had this experience. You get into a shower and the water temperature is too cold. And so you turn the dial. And it's still too cold, so you turn it a little bit more to the hot, and it's still too cold. And you keep turning it until you burn yourself, because now the water is scalding hot. And then you try to cool it off, and then it becomes too cold. And it takes a while before you get it just right, because you keep overshooting to the extremes, because there's a lag between turning the faucet and the water uh, changing temperature. And so you, you you turn it quickly and you expect an, a more immediate response. And so you end up overshooting. And so that is likely to happen with inflation, where you have all these central bankers who are trying to fine tune it. They think the inflation rate is too low. And so they're trying to correct it by turning up the, the heat. But they're going to overshoot. And now they're going to get an inflation rate that's much too high. And now, you know, they're all going to have to try to bring it down and and this is going to be creating a problem because when can, when prices start to rise faster that's going to slow down economic growth because rising prices limit uh consumption because consumers are are restrained by prices. If prices go up, they can't afford to buy as much stuff. They have to cut back on the things that they're buying. And so the economy is weakening just as inflation is rising. And now the, federal, the central banks have to raise interest rates into a weakening economy in order to slow down inflation. So basically, they're sowing the seeds of their own destruction by panicking and thinking the absence of inflation is bad now they've, you know, they're going to basically like throw gasoline on this fire, make it bigger and bigger. And now they have to try to put it out and it's going to be very problematic. But where the, the fire is going to be impossible to put out is in countries like the United States, because Poland can afford to raise interest rates. America can't. You know, there are a lot of countries that can afford higher rates of interest because they don't have the enormity of the debt that we have. They're just recklessly lowering interest rates and undermining their currencies because they bought into this moon in nonsense of uh, you know low inflation being a bad thing or deflation being a, a terrible thing. So they're, they're, they've got these rates so low. But when inflation really starts to pick up around the world, then everybody is going to have to start jacking up interest rates to contain it. And that's when you're going to see a huge decline in the dollar because all these other central banks are raising rates and the U.S. is not. And that's going to put even more upward pressure on U.S. inflation. And then what is the U.S. Federal Reserve going to do in response to rising U.S. inflation? Nothing, because they can't do anything. Because we have so much debt that we took on to encourage more inflation, that when inflation runs out of control, when inflation gets too hot, when it's above you know the 2% level or 2 or 3%, whatever it's going to be, we don't have any ammunition to, to contain it because we can't afford it because the the, the, the short term pain is too great because we can't jack up interest rates because we have too much debt. Nobody can afford to service it. Then you have all the defaults. You have all the bankruptcies. You have a collapse. You have a financial crisis. All this stuff is going to happen. And so we have to just let inflation get worse and worse and worse, even as other central banks have the means and the ability to contain their inflation, and we're left uh, to smolder in it on our own. And that's ultimately what precipitates the currency crisis when people realize uh, the box that the Fed is in, uh, that they're powerless to contain inflation because of the enormity of the debt. And, you know, they've been forced to pick their poison, right, to choose the lesser of what they believe to be the two evils uh, uh, a complete collapse and you know deflationary uh, meltdown or runaway inflation, and you know they're going to pick inflation every time. They're already laying the foundation for that right now. But I think when people grasp it, uh, the strength that we've uh, been seeing in the U.S. dollar uh, is going to reverse. Now I believe that the dollar's strength will have already reversed. By the time these foreign central banks really start jacking up interest rates, but that will simply accelerate the dollar's decline and it will ultimately turn into a collapse, putting enormous pressure on the Federal Reserve to ultimately raise interest rates at a time when the economy will be most vulnerable to rising rates because the Fed would have resisted that so long that the debt bubble would have grown so enormous as if it's not enormous now, but it'll just get bigger and bigger that the carnage will be that much more devastating. Uh, when they're forced to uh, slam on these brakes. You know, we'll be, you know, we'll be going 100 miles an hour by the time they hit the brakes, as opposed to now, maybe it's only 40 miles an hour, you know, whatever the analogy might be. But either way, it's, it's not going to be pretty, you know, uh, when they have to do it. But because they waited so long, it's going to be that much worse. <laughs>
1: Today's financial advisors behave like pro-wrestling TV commentators. They scream that the recovery is strong, debt is manageable, inflation is low, and that the Federal Reserve has everything under control. They may be oblivious, but the danger is real.